Welcome to this edition of Shi'ar Jashub, brought to you from the Church of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will begin listening to the next sermon in the Heavenly Authority series taught by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Pastor is currently in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 18. So let's join Pastor Greg for the Sunday message. Last time we saw Saul's insane jealousy and resentment of David. We saw the murderous envy when that evil, unclean spirit comes on Saul and Saul grabs the spear and twice he tries to pin David, kill David, pin him to the wall. And then we read how Saul put David out of his presence and he made David the captain over a thousand. And when people are under demonic influence, when evil spirits are moving them, when they're surrounded and engulfed in evil, they cannot stand to be in the presence of believers, especially in the presence of anointed believers. And God uses this to have David placed in a position of authority over a thousand men, as a captain over a thousand. We remember the promise that was given by Saul. All Israel knew it, that the man that killed Goliath, among other things, would receive the king's daughter in marriage. And we ended last time with Saul promising to give Merab, his oldest daughter, to David as his wife. And David responding, who am I? What is my life for my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? And David answers in humility, who am I? He doesn't feel worthy. Remember, David has been anointed by Samuel, told he would be king, but still as a young man in the king's court, Saul had been an anointed leader. He doesn't presume he deserves it. Obviously, Saul could simply have said, well, I've given my word. You are the one God used to defeat Goliath, and you are the one that should marry my daughter. But Saul doesn't do that. And perhaps using David's words as an excuse, he gives Merab to another. And the scriptures say that he does this just at the time that she was supposed to be given to David. That's in verse, in verse 19. But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel. So a broken word, a broken promise. And Saul is mad, he's deranged, and he's changeable. We'll see that his insanity causes him to change. The purpose, the deception, when he offers Merab as David's wife, He's not thinking, I want this fellow as my son-in-law. He's hoping to get David to go out and fight the Philistines, and the Philistines will kill David. It's not a sincere offer. It's deception. And one minute, he's offering. The next minute, he takes and he gives her to somebody else. And so we pick up today in 1 Samuel chapter 18, in verse 20. It says, now, Michael... Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. 
And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Why? Why does it please Saul that this other daughter, this younger daughter, loves David? Verse 21, So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare, or that she may be bait for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. It pleased him not because he has a daughter who loves the fella to whom he has promised the daughter. It pleases him because now he has another way to trap him, another way to set him up so that the Philistines can kill him and he can get rid of this rival and the envy and the jealousy and the murder in Saul, deception and manipulation. And he's using in this deception Michael, his own daughter, to draw David into his death as bait, almost like when you have a worm for a fish. Michael's the worm. He's using his own daughter's emotion, and it's heartless. We've seen how Saul has so decayed from that young man we studied several months back. Verse 22, And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So he knows the court's feelings about David, and he has them go and convince David that he should do this thing. Verse 23, So Saul's servant spoke those words in the hearing of David, and David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? seeing I am poor and lightly esteemed. Again, he sees himself as not worthy. He's poor. He has no dowry. And Saul plays on this lack of self-esteem. And this time, Saul has a specific plan to bring David in to have him killed, he believes, by the Philistines. He has a plan for a dowry. And he uses... His daughter's love and David's sincere humility, feeling he's not worthy, to offer this plan for a dowry that he believes will lead to David's death. And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired, therefore David arose and went he and his men and killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins and they gave them in full count to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as his wife. David, having heard this offer, he's already earned the place in the royal family. Remember that. Just by killing Goliath the Philistine, he's earned the place in the royal family. But when he hears this, he feels he has something he can offer. This is something he can do to become the king's son-in-law, and it pleases David. So obviously David... When earlier he gave 
the answer, who am I, concerning me, Rab? And now he says, does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law? He's not saying that to be crafty. He truly believes it, that he's not worthy. Because once he's given something to prove his worth, to provide something as dowry, it pleases him to do it. And David probably also likes Michael. We'll see that later. And that gives him the ambition to go and do this feat. So Saul is terribly manipulating these two young people, and he gets a, a surprise. David brings back not a hundred, but two hundred, double what Saul had asked. And you know, we're talking about the foreskins here of the Philistines, and some of this stuff is really hard to understand when you read it. Uh, part of it is that it's a very brutal time period. And we have to keep that in mind. It's a different time than it is today. Part of that is obviously the symbolism of the covenant people who have been attacked by this non-covenant people over and over again, and obviously the covenant that God has with Israel. Uh, the circumcision is a sign of that, um, and that might have something to do with the request in the dowry. Part of it could also be the barbaric practices of the pagans in war. Uh, the, these pagan nations... We won't go into it, but they were very cruel and perverse to their enemies when they defeated them on the battlefield. And maybe uh, this symbol has something to do with that. David finds success. Saul's scheme is foiled. God's favor on David is displayed, and David's fame grows. And Saul gives him Michael as his wife. He has to. Verse 28, the whole court knows about it. The off has been made. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. God is with this man. He has a son-in-law now that God has anointed. And his daughter loves him. David has a wife that loves him. That should be a wonderful thing. What does it say? And Saul was still more afraid of David. Envy, more fear. So Saul became David's enemy continually, all the rest of his days. Something that should be good, that there is this one that God anoints that can replace him, who loves his daughter. A royal lineage could come from the two of them. Saul, the father-in-law, is angry and jealous and enraged and more fearful than ever. And he's looking to ruin what's nice and good in this situation. So Michael is not the snare, the bait that Saul had hoped for to bring about David's death. In verse 30 you read, Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely. The wisdom of David, we read this expression before. He behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. God uses the victory after victory. The more aggressive the Philistines are, the more envious and angry Saul is, the more the Lord uses that to make David beloved and esteemed by the people. So Michael was not the bait he thought. But in one very real sense... Saul is able to use this marriage 
to manipulate this marriage as a snare, as bait, that will ultimately, long after Saul is dead, bring in all the hardship and tragedy in David's family and the kingdom. What do I mean by that? I think it's I think it'll become clear as we read on. You have here in David and Michael that young first love, that exclusive relationship that reminds us back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. She truly loves him. He obviously cares for her to take such chances against the Philistines. And you have that freshness, that young wedding, the way it should be between a man and a woman. But in chapter 19, Saul continues trying to kill David. And this time it's not just a temporary bout of madness where he picks up a spear. And all he does will lead to the ruination of that youthful, hopeful marriage. We read in verse 1, now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So there's a court decree, there's a world decree. Kill David. I hope you have enjoyed this unique series. I invite you to join us for Sunday service at 10 a.m. at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. And as always, you can write to us at Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Join us next time as Pastor Greg Scalzo teaches from God's Holy Word.